Hello and welcome to Our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 23-year-old actor and filmmaker from Alberta, Canada. I like brooding anti-heroes and feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at The 100 Script on Twitter, and you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. Her name is Brittany Ray. She is a 28-year-old writer and TV critic from beautiful, post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. She likes badass milfs and long naps. She's on Twitter at at Britannia, where she can be found attempting journalism and talking about her cat. Welcome to the final installment of our Season 1 Spoilers sections. This is a series in four parts. If you've listened to all of our podcasts in their entirety, you're not missing anything by skipping this series. These are all things you've heard before. You can re-listen for the fun of it if you want, though. I'm not the boss of you. The purpose of this series is for those people who may not be caught up who've been skipping the spoilers sections. We've compiled them here for your convenience so you don't have to go searching for them. You're welcome. Please be warned that from here on out, the whole series is fair game. Let's get started. This is the spoiler section for episode 123, Exodus Part 1, featuring Cancer Gets Lost Herself, Joe Garfine. Spoilers, spoilers, gonna talk spoilers. I'm so excited to talk about spoilers. Welcome to the spoilers section! Woo! Finally! Finally! Off the ropes! <laughs> okay. All right. What should we talk about first? Should I, should I go through the notes that I have first and then we can, and then we can start like Joe story time? Yes. Sure, I'll probably interrupt you in the middle, so it'll be great. It's Perfect. Great. All right, so let's see. What's the first thing I have here is... Um, Rousseau and Claire share a look near the beginning there, and that's because Rousseau helped Claire. What's the word? Escape from right, uh, Claire. Does Claire like thinks she kidnapped her? Yeah. Well, I don't right. think Claire remembers that. Not there, right? Yeah, just yet. But um, but yeah. And, but also, I mean, Claire thinks that she's gonna steal her baby, which she does next episode. <laughs> right. Yeah. A valid concern. My baby. <laughs> and all of uh, all of Rousseau's stories are true, and we end up seeing them in season five, and it's amazing. Yeah. I remember that reveal that it was Rousseau, and like, first of all, reveal Jin's alive. Second of all, reveal he's with Rousseau and her team. Oh my god, that's an amazing episode. So great. Oh, so good. Ooh, let's talk about Annalicia and Jack. Uh, okay, so I, I mean, there's so much there. Yeah, <laughs> I, but just you know, a lot of fans may or may not know this that. Anna Lucia's last episode was the same uh, last episode for Libby and that both actresses, the episode was named Two for the Road, yep. uh, originally because the two characters get killed off, but also because they both got DUIs at the same time at the, after leaving the same party. Now, the, oh island, my God. Of, you know, the island of Oahu is, is large, but there's not a lot of lanes. And uh, clearly they should have maybe, this is pre-Uber, taken the taxi. I'm not judging them, but it became kind of a funny thing later that that was the episode, that it was two for the road. But I just thought it was interesting now looking back that Anna Lucia's first introduction is she's drinking. And then her oh, last yeah. episode is two for the road. Wow. Oh my God. That just, it just put, I just put it together tonight. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Huh. Yeah. Don't drink and drive kids. Don't drink and drive kids. Yeah, that's the big that's the big moral. <laughs> that's like a takeaway, um, I think. Yeah. 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 So she's asking about his dad, and little do both of them know yeah. that she was in Australia with Jack's dad. And she doesn't even know that he died. Yeah. I yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Do we find out who she was on the phone with? Was it her mom? Yeah, I believe that she's on the phone with her mom. I'm trying to remember in, um, I believe it's Collision. Yeah. Well, her two episodes are Collision and Two for the Road, so I'm pretty sure it's in Collision. I think it's Collision, yeah. 
might be and Taylor Road. Mommy she's like talking right there on her on the phone with her mom. Right. And you know, I, I'm not sure if if she like calls her mom and then it's like hi mom, or if it's like that phone call was her mom. I'm not quite sure at this point. Right, but. right. Well, and briefly, I'll tell you why I liked Anna Lucia. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, I feel like when you crash an airplane on an island that you should be absolutely angry and she's the only one who held on to that anger. And I feel like it was right. twofold for her. And I get that she was abrasive. Um, and there are a lot of things about her and I get why people didn't like her. Twofold. One, she's angry about being stuck there and crashed and not have being having any way to get back. Two, after we find out what happens to her with losing the baby, it's very recent. Yeah. And yeah. I feel like it gave me a little more sympathy for Anna Lucia. That's all. I think my big problem with Anna Lucia was um, the moment where she manipulated and seduced Sawyer into and used yeah. him. Yeah. And I knew that if that had been, if the genders had been reversed there, that would have been a real big problem. I know. I thought it was an interesting yeah. choice. Yeah. Yeah. I don't um, know. I think there's a lot of gender stuff going on with Anna Lucia because if she was a male character, she would probably have been loved a lot more. That's oh, true. That's I very true. 316%. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. I like how much percentages have been escalating. Well, they're on lost numbers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I always thought it was she was unfairly hated for showing traditionally, quote unquote, masculine qualities. Which right. are more Michelle Rodriguez than anything. That's exactly. <laughs> and I just thought it was funny that they had her, you know, flirt with Jack and sleep with Sora. And I was like, that's an interesting choice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's She's like, what, you had a love triangle? Pfft. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure everyone's um, getting what I'm putting down about Michelle Rodriguez, but she might maybe bat for my team. Um, she's, yeah, super, She's not super open, <laughs> but yet just have to do some Googling. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, imagine if Ana Lucia and Jack had traded seats. What huh. would have happened? Oh, you mean in the airplane? Yeah, yeah, because that's what she says. Like, can you imagine if Jack was was in the tail section and Ana Lucia was? Well, who would who would emerge as the watch. leader of the Live Together Die Alone group, the front section? I mean, it wouldn't be Locke, it wouldn't be Ana Lucia. I think that people would die. I think it'd be a whole different show. Yeah, I think people definitely would die, but I think that Saeed might be the. Saeed. Yeah. Oh, ooh. If it was Saeed, like we see. As soon as they show up, Sawyer is already antagonizing Saeed for terrible reasons. And the person right. who uh, uh, breaks up that fight is Jack. Jack and so yeah. if Jack isn't there and there's no one to break up that fight, people might not trust Saeed for terrible reasons. Jin and Michael might have killed each other. I mean, you know. That's the truth. Yeah. yeah. So. Man. Yeah. Fan fiction. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then Basically. what would happen on the other side of the island? Right. I mean, it's would the tailies be better off? Yeah. Even because, you know, I, I'm not really sure, but, like, all the things that happen over there where they, you know, steal the kids and everything, like, I just wonder how Jack would have reacted differently yeah. to Anna Lucia. We'll never know. We'll never know. Yeah. Another thing that happens is that uh, Jack gives Sawyer a gun because he's the only one who can use a gun on the raft, but Jin is actually one of the people that stays back at the end of season three to blow up the tents uh, and stuff. Right. Yeah. He learned. Um, but how are they to know? Because he doesn't right. speak English. The marshal says that Kate's always calling him and stuff about her situation mm -hmm. and such. Um, and that happens in I Do, which is at the beginning of season three, yeah. uh, when she marries Nathan Fillion. Which is so awesome. Yeah. Um, I don't do, do, you, I don't do Taco Tuesday. 
<laughs> yeah. Wait, that's hilarious. An Albertan married an Albertan on an American show? Yeah. They sure did. That's amazing. I love it. Rousseau has the scratches on her arm, and those are from Claire's literal nails. Right. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. And um, we learn Montand lost his arm, and Jin sure was there for that. <laughs> that's crazy scene. I loved the moment in season five where Jin is with them and his arm falls off and everything. And then there's a flash and suddenly the arm is like all um, gross and, and <laughs> rotted and stuff yeah. because you know, it's like far into the future. Okay. Season five is so underrated. That's a whole other episode. I uh, my favorite love season. season five. Thank you. So heckin' good. Yeah. Favorite season. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is sort of out of order, but what I was kind of hinting at earlier is uh, with Jack and Kate and Jack and Sawyer, I love with what they wound Jack. up doing because Con and Doctor, Con and Doctor, Juliet and J- Jack, right. in the flash sideways, they tried it, didn't work because Doctor, Doctor, but it wound up yep. that each other's person was Doctor Con, Doctor Con. So, oh, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I never even thought that's about that. So cute. Yeah, yeah. I love. I just I remember the wars and stuff, but to me, it always. This, the minute I saw Suliet, I was like, this makes perfect sense to me. I mean, they sold mm. it within three uh, three scenes in one episode. It was unbelievable. Yep. Yeah. Like, it, Liz, it was just... Liz Mitchell said, like, Sawyers. we were given this episode going, really? Oh, that's not at all uh-huh. where we thought this was going. And, you but know, then they were then, like, actually, yes. <laughs> yeah. And then Liz Mitchell always goes, Josh Holloway is so handsome. Who am I to say no? I've, I loved all <laughs> those scenes. She said he's the best co-star she's ever had on screen. Wow. I love that. I didn't know that I needed to know, but now I need, uh, now I'm glad I do. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Rousseau talks about how it is a security system to protect the island. And like, exactly. I was obsessed with that until we saw what it was. Right. And it's like, what exactly did you think in the beginning then? Well, I didn't think it was actually an electric fence and pylons or anything like that. Like, (laughs) Like, I did think it was some futuristic controlled animal really like or Ooh. some kind of um like not ghost but some kind of a uh, projection oh i okay. see yeah back in the day <laughs> yeah and i was always fascinated by the fact that the sounds were of large trucks going by the freeway and then the um basically the tiller the, the, the roller coaster then the the till at the 7-eleven when they're adding up um you know all right. of your purchases and i thought that's got to be manufactured by someone. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was wrong. That's what the sounds were? Yeah. 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 I always thought it sounded like a T-Rex. Well, oh, they uh, combined them. Yeah. The, the sound work on that yeah. show was spectacular. So yeah. good. Um, it, ama- it, it amazes me that she was able to, like, how did she know that? Because, like, that's literally exactly what it is. Well, a security think, system to protect the island. Like, that's amazing. How did she I find feel, that I out? I feel like she must have had some offline conversations with Ben or other others, you know? Like, mm. I feel like she's been on there so long, she knows. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Also, Hurley says, uh, Arsd, I thought you were dead. And uh-huh. he's literally about to die. Yeah, he's <laughs> about to go boom. Yeah. R.I.P. in literal pieces. We all know that we're off the fight of the line for next episode, which is, dude, you've got some Arsd on you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yep. Um... Uh, uh, we have Shannon saying, okay, but only until you get us rescued. Yeah, and bye. so I have this headcanon that Walt comes back to the island and works with Hurley and Ben and gets to, like, be with Vincent again. Oh, 
I like that. Well, I mean, last time we saw Vincent, he was hanging out at the hut with, uh, you know, Bernard and Rose. So. Yeah, and like sat yeah. with Jack for a bit. But like, do you think that if Hurley is the new Jacob, he'd be able to touch Vincent the way that Richard was touched by Jacob and Vincent could just be an ever living dog? My understanding is it does not affect animals, just humans. But Ew. let's go with it. Okay. I think that's the human ideal is an ever living dog. Yeah, uh, clearly. Because I wouldn't yeah. miss out on my cat, but yes, a dog. Um, dude my cat is a cranky old jerk so yeah no he's a brooding little molder well well at least he's in character it's true we literally picked him out because he was a brooding black cat we had scully who was a um you know very flirty red cat so it was all working out yeah yeah but she was older and she she got sick when a couple years ago so he loved he actually does not miss her at all loves being the house cat so Uh. there you go our orange cat's the same way with our... Oh, we had a black cat, too. There you go. <laughs> Tigger and Bagheera. Aww. Tigger was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm the king totally. of the castle anyway. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, the last one that I have here is just that we see the Black Rock for the first time, and the way that the Black Rock got out there was that it was a slave ship and Richard. I love that. That... Uh, Abiturno is one of the best lost episodes of all time. I think everyone could yeah, agree. Yep. I was just upset with the timing of it because I just, if I had one complaint about season six is that I did not like across the sea. I think it deserved to be in an earlier season. It was distracting from the finale mm. and didn't have anything yeah. to do with it really. And I, Abiturno also would have been great earlier for Albert. Um, but I thought it was a spectacular bottle episode. Honestly, like sometimes I'll just skip across the sea. Cause I'll be like, I know what happens. Exactly. Allison Chiani's going to win an Oscar. It's fine. Like, yeah, exactly. Okay. Oh, I have a fun name dropping story. Yeah. Do it. <gasps> That's not, all my notes are done. So it's all you. Okay, good. This is completely not related to anything except Titus Welliver in the finale. So yeah, it's Vancouver related. I, I, I was supposed to tell Claire this. So I hope she's listening. Okay. She will. The she same will day. Be. Everyone, Titus Welliver plays the man in black. Just man in black. Sorry. Know. Yes. Um, which you don't know until you're watching spoilers and then you do. Okay. So yeah. yeah. Long story short, which it won't be, um, in 2010, the same day I had met Liz Mitchell and I was just high as a kite on life. And I was like, this is the best day of my life. Um, besides meeting Lisa, of course. And <laughs> I was staying at um, a hotel in Vancouver and I was leaving the next day and I was like, I'm going to go downstairs and have a glass of wine because I need to celebrate this day. And all the other journalists had gone to sleep because they have real jobs. And I was like, I have a blog. I could go have a glass of wine. And because I didn't have an article due. So I went downstairs and I'm sitting in the bar and I have no problem like having a drink by myself, going to a movie, whatever. And I'm like, I seriously thought again, am I being punked? Titus Welliver walks into the bar and I am looking around and I am by myself and I, I, I'm not a person who takes camera photos stealthily or try, I'm not really a, you know, a star effer. And again, this is before cancer gets lost and I hadn't met Mm -hmm. that many people and I wait 15 minutes. I see he's by himself standing at the bar doing a wine tasting. So I, I sidle up next to him. I go, Hey, How's it going? And he goes, do you want to talk about Lost? And I was like, Ah! I said, actually, I'd love to talk about Deadwood first. He goes, okay. Because he just must have known I was a fan or whatever. I must have had this look on my face. So he talks to me about Deadwood. And then before I could even tell him I have a Lost blog and I'm spoiler free, he goes on to tell me he just came back from Hawaii. And he's like, I filmed this episode going across the sea. And Allison Janney plays my mom. And my brother is Jacob. And he's the one who brings everyone to the island. And this is why I'm tan because. Oh, my God. And I was like, uh. And this is literally before I had seen anything in season six. Oh, my God. And I think at that point, I hadn't even seen the end of season five where he's on the beach with his brother. And like, I just was like. My mind was blown. And I was like, that is a lot of information. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. So so you didn't even know that he was in Lost? No, I sorry. I knew he was in Lost, but I didn't know we were going to get the backstory or that. I don't think it was 
Yeah, I, I didn't know anything about the backstory. We had seen that episode okay. of him and on the beach with his brother saying that it all happens before blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, but he, yeah, so he basically spoiled the last, second to last episode ever of Lost and told me about <laughs> Alice and Janney and the whole thing about mother and his brother and bringing people to the island. And with this, he was like, I'm the mother effing smoke monster. <laughs> and I didn't know that. Oh my God. Oh my that. God. That's. That's the season five finale, bro. Like, you yeah. can't be doing that stuff. And he said that. He goes, the best part is I was with my eight-year-old son at the time. And we're walking through New York City. And I'm kind of recognizable. I'm a character actor. And this guy comes running across the street. And you get a little cautious. But he comes running across the street. His arms are flailing. He goes, you're their mother effing smoke monster. And he, <laughs> he yells at, at Titus Welliver. And his son was like, dad, is that normal? And he's like, yes, son, it is. This is normal. Uh- this is what I do for a living. Mother I mean, and that's how he described that's himself. Goals. He was so proud of it. And he's like, I play a lot of characters, but this is what people know me for. I mean, it was unbelievable. That's how did you handle being spoiled that badly? I didn't have context. I knew it was kind of a bottle episode. It was like the history of the okay. island. So luckily it didn't hurt too much um, right. okay. in terms of like that. But I mean, listen, in, in a similar situation, two weeks ago, I was on the set of The 100 when they started filming the season finale of um, season five. I've seen zero footage of season mm-hmm. five. I know nothing despite being friends with the cast. And one of my best friends mm-hmm. is on the writing staff, Justine. I know nothing on purpose. Um, and I spent 12 hours on set. Out of context, I actually <laughs> oh wasn't that God. spoiled. I saw some cool sets. I saw some scenes filmed with some people I love. And I, but like, honestly, it doesn't spoil the season for me. Right. Yeah. It's just yeah. like what I tell people, like like people who are, are watching season one only, and they're yeah. like, well, what if I did stay for the spoiler section? I'm like, girl, it's going to make no sense to you anyway. Right. Or it'll make you want to watch it more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I think that's my last name dropping story. And I, I, I'd apologize, but I don't know. It's kind of cool. Well, if you, no, think, it's for, so if cool. you think of some more, you're back <laughs> next episode. So that's, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I genuinely think it's so cool because you have like this whole fandom history that I very rarely get to talk to people who have that deep a history. That's true. I do have a rare mm-hmm. history with this. Yeah. yeah. It's an experience, man. It's a trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, that's cool. Um, my spoiler section thing that I always do is just to clap because I want the hatch open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just open the hatch, please. Yeah, and we'll get to it next week, but the the most infuriating thing that got fans so upset was back in the day, I mean, the first season finale of this amazing show that was such a huge mm-hmm. hit, like back then it had like 25 million viewers, which now nothing really gets except for a reality, t- reality TV, but the mm-hmm. fact that they ended without an opening was such a point of contention that we had months to a that. year to wait. I thought it was brilliant. You know, especially now at Spoiler Alert, we get to see Desmond in the, you know, the first episode and then we had no context for what we're looking at. I thought that was so well yeah, done. I think so, too. Uh, I totally agree. And I have to say that all this revisiting of Lost and looking at the first hatch, it's very clear that Jason and his staff like Lost. I mean, the bunker is mm-hmm. like, yep, I'm yep. like, and Desmond's in the bunker. I'm like, really? Yeah. Okay. I love it. They had like that matching shot of them looking down and I was like, I oh, know. okay. I got it totally matched. I remember <laughs> watching The 100 for the first time and like season two, they like throw Kane into that pit yes. where like Jaha also yep. is. And I kept being like, oof, looks like it's time to read Our Mutual Friend, my dude. Oh my God, totally. <laughs> well, and I, we all love Ian Cusick, but his, the yeah. first season of The 100, I was not quite sure what his accent was, but now I am. You know, Same. it's like, okay, yeah. yeah. You just kind of go with it. You're like, sometimes it's got a little bit of a lilt. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't. Totally. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. He does his best. 
I hope fans who don't know me think, like, I'm not bragging. I honestly, I love sharing these fans' experiences because I am a fan first and I have sort of, not earned is the right way, but over the years garnered uh, these great relationships because of the charity and because mm-hmm. of that, it's sort of extended into these kind of opportunities. And I'm also like, I'm very spoiler free and I would never spoil anything. And I will say that after the hundred season five finale airs, I will share stories and photos. Oh, sweet. Yes. Yes. And we'd love to See, have you on the, on the finale episode of the hundred as well. Like we did last year. Ooh. Yeah. Especially yeah. since I was there for the first day. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. 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 No, I love when you share these stories. Cause like for me, it's just sort of like, sharing of like more fun and passion oh, and yeah. behind the scenes stuff that you don't get to hear from other people. Right. And I also like to illuminate the amazing human beings that make the art that inspire and change our lives. And I feel like it's exactly. it is important to do that. I do it with the charity, but also a lot of these experiences I'm talking about today aren't necessarily, it's an extension of the charity that we met through, but like it is, these are human beings with lives and they are, yeah. they are some of them are spectacular. Most of them are. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, should we do our outro? Yeah, sure. We're done. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Joe, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for letting me babble on. Babble on! <laughs> and uh, I love it. And I obviously <laughs> love talking about loss more than anything uh, besides charity. And it's a really good mix and it's really fun to revisit. And it brings up a lot of, it like reinvigorates me too, because I'm working on this giant auction that started mm-hmm. with loss. And now I have 75 TV shows because of it. So in an yeah. auction. And uh, I couldn't be more thankful to not only the Lost community, but I obviously have to do a shout out to the 100 community, which has really put Cancer Against Lost on the map uh, the last few yeah. years. And and I appreciate that people like you let me talk about Cancer Gets Lost and also of our course. beloved show together. And I, I look forward to the next segment. Do you want to remind us where we can find you on the internet again? <laughs> everywhere. Um, <laughs> you can literally find me everywhere at Cancer Gets Lost and at Joe Opinionated, which is opinionated with a J, which is pretty much encapsulates who I am. Of course. Uh, you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me at, at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. And you can follow at The Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Redbubble, and YouTube soon. Nice. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash The Aficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating. It's expensive. It yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye. Love you, bye. (laughs) Are you married? This is the spoiler section for episode 124, Exodus Part 2, also featuring Joe Garfine of Cancer Gets Lost. Spoilers, spoilers, gonna talk spoilers. Welcome to the spoilers section. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Like, now we can speak freely. I always forget. I'm like, wait, I should write shit down because I forget. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, okay, I'm gonna go in here and see what we've got here. So let's talk about the Black Rock. Oh my gosh. Oh my god. <laughs> sure was a slave ship, huh? I mean, the, the you know, I think everyone can agree that Abaterno is one of the best episodes of Lost. The Richard Alpert I flashback. Totally agree. Yep. To it was, I was blown away by what they were able to do, not only to sort of recreate, reconstruct, because I don't think they had that set sitting around for five seasons, but the yeah. the Black Rock, the history of it, how it crashed on the island, it's insane, and it made perfect sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it might be one of the best TV episodes ever made. I you a lot of people would agree with you with that. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great it was a great episode and Nestor did such a good oh my job. Gosh. I think at the yeah. time, my only complaint was that I think it was ill-timed, meaning like it was right before the end of the whole series. I wish we had gotten this in season five. Yeah. And the same mm, the same yeah. with Across the Sea, which is admittedly my one of my least favorite episodes of all time. That's a whole nother I'll yeah. get back to you in season six on that. But I felt like it was amazing, but it sort of 
the other episodes didn't add up in comparison because we were so into the flash sideways and then we get this. Yeah. yeah. It was interesting timing. And I feel like that's a definite trend with final seasons of shows where it's like they finally realized they forgot to tell a story. So they shoehorn it in. Right. Mm-hmm. And they think like, oh, it'll give the audience a break. The audience doesn't want a no. break. They want to run breakneck at the finale. True story. <laughs> yeah. That's the yeah. Truth. Another one that I had, ooh, I thought about this while I was rewatching today. Um, Jack, like, first of all, Kate is inside the Black Rock and she finds the explosives and they say, ooh, let's take it outside. And Kate goes to pick it up and Jack goes, um, no, you, I'll, I'll carry it, okay? And I think that's foreshadowing about him going completely over her head, taking the explosives instead. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. I mean, I just, we're um, all rolling our eyes I hate at that him. decision. That's exactly yeah. what's happening. Even back in 2005, um, we were, like, rolling our eyes at that. Because it's yeah. like, what reason does he have to, like, he never justifies himself. So it continually makes me angry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I believe it's Locke who uses the phrase failsafe, and that ends up being important at the end of next season. Um, the failsafe key is what, like, Desmond has, and, and that's what blows up the hatch. Right. Oh, I knew it was Desmond-related. I was like, yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Kate and Locke are the ones who draw the short sticks, and yet Jack goes over her head about that and does it instead. And there's a moment when they're leaving where Locke looks at Jack, where it's like, I'm pretty sure that Locke knows. Stupid bro code. As well as because the order (laughs) that he chooses is Jack, Kate, Hurley, Locke. So it would make more sense if, like, Jack is obviously putting himself as far away from Locke as possible. Yep. Yeah. He's just, um, he's not sly. But also, how do you think Locke figured it out? Locke's so freaking smart is the thing. Yeah. Yeah. He's very intuitive. He's not smooth, but he's smart. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think he can just like sense it. Maybe just like uh, the difference of Jack's mannerisms even, like, or the way that he walks even, like knowing, Jack knowing that there's something in his bag. And he knows that that's something that Jack would pull. Totally. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, Hurley asks, what's inside? His name is Desmond. <laughs> uh, Desmond <laughs> and he's wonderful. Desmond Marcus Kane, to be specific. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then we get there our first look at the high bird. Um, so this giant bird has a call that sounds like Hurley. Hurley bird. And yeah, the Dharma Initiative like experimented on them. And that's what the bird well, is. Well, I mean, listen, we know, I, now we're as poor as we can say in season three, they, they basically yeah. go to the zoo island, to Hydra Island, which is where they had the underwater, um, and then they had the zoo on top, and there was a zoological station for Dharma. And so, yeah, the Hurley mm-hmm. bird was mechanical, I believe. Yo, I forgot about that. That just blew my mind. <laughs> you are insane. Do you want me to explain the polar bears down below, too, and how they turned the wheel into Tunisia and why Charlotte found their polar bear collar there? It's because that's what they were brought to the island for? Because I, I will. All of that too. <laughs> I explain that almost every day to somebody, um, and I think I—I I mean, I would never make someone feel dumb, but I'm like, I thought it was pretty obvious, but I was explaining. It. People go, I totally missed that. I mean, these things are obvious, and like I watch them and I get them. It's just that I have the memory of a goldfish. I'm learning this about so you. F- yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I will forget these things, and then it's a really nice surprise when I relearn. Well, them again. then you're welcome. <laughs> Claire scratched Rousseau, and it's because Rousseau was trying to help Claire get back to uh, the beach after Alex helped Claire get out of the staff Dharma station. It's a nice twist on that, you know? 
We we all we weren't sure. We weren't sure where Russo was in, in terms of like good or yeah. bad. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that Alex and Russo kind of teamed up here, although they didn't know. Right. Yeah. 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 I really love the complexity of Russo. I love that everything that she does, I understand her motives 100% of the time. I love that you're on par with Crazy French Lady. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that checks out. Sun mentions that she almost believes that they're kind of being punished. So the reasons why, I mean, Sun has done a bunch of not great things in her life, but I think she's probably mainly, mainly thinking about her affair. Right. But compared to what other people have done, okay. Yeah, it's not, I mean, you know, don't have affairs, but, you know, also don't kill people. So you know, she's on the okay side. Watching yeah. that scene yesterday, I was struck by something, which is that now knowing what we know about Jacob and bringing people to the island and how, who winds up being a candidate um, early mm-hmm. on, I mean, Sun is one of the first people besides Locke to just know that there's something bigger at play and then to express that in her own yeah. way and to think that either, you know, it's a punishment, but then she gets pregnant. So that's a gift that I just think that I think in a weird way, Jacob was probably proud of her from like yeah. the, her, the way when these people make the choices they do on the island and the way that they advance as human beings. And I, I like to think that Jacob has some way of watching their progress. I think Jacob Loki kind of picks favorites. Totally. Yeah. Oh, I think absolutely. And and that's an interesting sentiment of it of her becoming pregnant being a gift because I think about the fact that Jacob doesn't allow people who have become mothers yep. to be candidates anymore. Mm-hmm. So I always think of of him making son pregnant kind of a way of him being like you're released from this, you don't have to be a candidate but then we anymore. Have to, we yeah. have to get to the controversial way that Jin and Sun die then and leaving their child behind. Yeah. Is that something he knew that would happen? Yeah. That's the choice they're going to make is each other. You know? Yeah, that's right. There's so many layers to it and I, of, of the many, uh, that's not many, there are very few things that I feel unresolved on Lost that I wish that we had more of Sun as one of them and I feel like yep. she has mm-hmm. such a potential to be a badass and also yeah. um, I'm not sure, I still don't know if I buy them both dying together and not even mentioning their child also but then you go to the finale yeah, that bothers me you go a to the lot. finale aaron's in the church Yan is not because that what the church is is it represents the best times of their lives the times they spent together yep and that was not when they had the baby yeah. so it kind yeah. of counter so Gian is in a church with somebody else Gian is waiting yes yeah but that's just that that basically kind of i mean did son ever mention when they got married that she wanted kids like did son ever want to be a mother we don't know I don't think we know. Um, Jin had a whole thing about how he really wanted to be a dad. And like when they figured out that they had some fertility issues, he was really upset. But I don't think Sun ever made the sentiment of really wanting to be a mother. I think it was Jin saying, if we have a child, your dad might lay up, like stop making me do terrible things is why he wanted a kid. Or we could be better. We could be better parents than our own if we have our own. Exactly. The Juliet and David of it all. Anyway. Yeah. (laughs) They talk about how how did the island not get discovered? Because uh-huh. it's a magic island and it moves. It totally, I was thinking about that when they look back at the island. I'm like, yeah, you're just on the other side of it. You're really floating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have you haven't gone anywhere. Yeah, nor will you. <laughs> yeah, it's so depressing. It is because it's such a pretty raft, and you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they work so hard. Um, Michael says that he will never come back to the island, and although he never really sets foot on the island again, he does, like, come around the vicinity of the island. Although, you know, he does end up on the island for eternity as one of the whispers. Oh, that's right. And, uh, then we talk about Redemption Song. Michael kind of got the short end of the stick there. He did. He did, but he also shot two people, so. Oh, yep. Yep, you're right. And he he went on that he went on that ship to kill everybody with the bomb, and I'm sure a lot of people were still on the ship when the bomb went off. Right. 
Who died? Yeah. Let's talk about redemption song. Okay. Joe, I feel like you're the one who ha- who would have the most thoughts about this. I just think this, it's so super on it. the nose, given what happens, to especially with Sawyer. <laughs> with Sawyer being like, yeah. you know, because when Michael and him have the conversation about like, and he's like, I ain't no hero, bro. It's like, well, actually, you wind up becoming one and you are. You have a redemption. So there you go. Mm-hmm. I just think it's an interesting yeah. uh, laying of the map, whether uh, they meant it or not. Because it just, it's just, right in retrospect, it's on the nose. At the time, you're like, ha, 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 Sawyer and redemption. That's not happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe it was like two on the nose. Perhaps, or maybe they didn't really know. They probably didn't know to use that until the end, but yeah. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. Charlie calls, oh no, Lily calls Charlie pathetic, and then Charlie calls Rousseau pathetic um, next episode. Is that the only roast that these people have? I know. I guess. It's so tame compared to what we watch now that it's kind of funny. (laughs) Yeah, or like the things that you see on the internet and you're like, oh, okay. Right, right. Yeah. Um, My last spoiler thought was just that Michael asks his mom if she'll take Walt. And then once they come back to the island, we see in, I believe it's Meet Kevin Johnson, where uh, she did. Yeah. She took over. And I think, like, the difference there is Michael had really proven himself to be, like, a dedicated father on the island. Yeah, but then he went off the deep end afterwards. And so she was like, you're not. Yeah. Then you're not fit. Yeah. I kind of forgot Michael went off the deep end. (laughs) Yeah. That's not fair to him. Some serious sad times. Yeah. There were so many other places they could have taken Michael. I think that Harold Perrineau would agree with you strongly. Yeah. 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 Awkward. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think he harbors any ill will toward the show, but I think that we are all on the same page. Yeah. Those are all my spoiler thoughts. Does anyone have any last words before we just do our outro here? No, because I forget if I'm going to spoil something from the next episode, so I'll just hold on. Mood. Okay. (laughs) That's fair. Okay, well, Joe, thank you so much for coming. We'll see you in like a couple hours. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again for having me, letting me ramble on. And uh, I think I told all my good stories in the last podcast, but but I will try and think of some relevant ones for the next one. Sure. I mean, their stories are great, but your insights are also like fantastic. So quote insights. Sure. I'm I'm remembering it as I go too, but thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're bullshitting it very well. Thank you. I am a pro at that. And do you want to remind us where we can find you on the internet one more time? Well, sure, friends. You can always find me <laughs> at Cancer Gets Lost. We'll just leave it there because that's all that matters. That's fair. Um, you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. You can follow at the Aficionados on a whole heckin' bunch of places. Just just search just it. Just Google it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at our Patreon. <laughs> patreon.com slash the aficionados if you have a dollar to spare soundcloud costs a lot yes yeah thank you so much hey, we love um you. okay love you bye okay love you bye. bye i teach high school pally this is the spoiler section for episode 125 exodus part three featuring you guessed it joe garfine Spoilers, spoilers, gonna talk spoilers. Spoilers! Finally! Finally. I, I, thank you for writing stuff down because I'm like, I'm gonna forget all of these things. Yeah. Oh, no worries. Yeah, I, I'll i just get started. And once you have something to say, you just just jump in. That's never been a problem before. <laughs> okay. So I was trying the, to drink there, damn it. The spoiler that I have about the first storyline that we talked about was the fact that Charlie now has the Mary statue and that he like kind of collects them and and it's interesting that for the longest time he like doesn't actually open one yeah he just kind of likes to have them which i get 
It's a security blanket. I mean, he was yeah. a major drug addict who had to go cold turkey, and then he's presented with the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's and not so it's not fair. Like keep it, it. it's not fair to do that to an addict. Yeah, no, but it's an interesting test that Jacob has provided. Yes, mm-hmm. true. That's yeah. freaking Yemi, Jacob. Yemi is is a is a direct re- a correlation to the test for Charlie. Yep. Yeah, and that's interesting. Yeah. Like, I wonder if Echo was supposed to be a candidate. Is Echo a candidate? Probably. Um, uh, oh, yeah. I mean, until Adewale went off the show, they had six season designs for him. So Right. Wow. And so, like, I wonder if Echo was supposed to be a candidate this whole time or if, right. like, they were like, let's bring Yemi and such to right. the island for Charlie just eventually. And yeah. then they were like, oh, this guy's also coming to the island. Perf. Right. Uh, who knows? <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever know that one. Yeah, I don't, I'm not going to pretend to understand Jacob. <laughs> True. Fair. Yes. So going into the jungle storyline, um, Locke gets dragged around by the monster... Why? Well, like, I thought he wasn't allowed to touch the candidates, question mark? Well, I mean, uh, I'm not sure that that's true, that the smoke monster couldn't touch the candidates, per right. se, but he definitely could, you know, you see, you've see, you seen Smokey toss people around. And so to have the ability to create a hole and a, and a kind of pulley system to pull lock, it didn't, and at the time I didn't understand it until, like, really in season five, that I understand, like, the machinations of smoke monster, but I mm-hmm. believe that that physically can happen. I have a theory. Okay. That maybe MIB was trying to get Locke alone because he maybe um, saw the um, potential to do the same thing with him that he did for Richard at the beginning. Oh, yeah. I think for sure yeah. the Man of Black saw the potential for Locke almost immediately. And that's why when he looked at the eye of the island he saw it was beautiful, he was right. basically testing him. Like when, when Smokey had Juliet and Kate trapped and just basically did the dance around them and looked into Juliet's soul and heart and mind and then let her go and flashed white. Yeah. That's a whole nother, it's a whole other episode I'd like to do with you. Um, the fact that he was, he is basically did a little scan on them. To, and then what he saw with Locke, he saw a candidate in his own way. He saw Locke mm-hmm. as his candidate. And that's the same thing that happened with Echo, I believe, right? Uh, yes. And that's yeah. why until Echo, you know, until he, yeah. 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 Um, another question I had about it was like, where does the hole go? I think it's just a temporary sinkhole that, that the smoke monster is able to like, I feel like smoke monster um, flew down in into the ground, creating the sinkhole. And then the suction of it was what the smoke used to pull him down. I mean, I'm making shit up here, but like, I feel like that's what happened. Yeah. I mean, like I was thinking like the last time I saw a hole like this, it went sort of to like to the temple or like where right. Montand yeah. went. Right. So I think he does burrow. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I did also like the baby smoke wisp that went by at first by Kate and Jack. Right. <laughs> I was like, baby smoke wisp. The man in black is such a dick. I know. Seriously, a little tease. <laughs> Locke says that the island brought them, which is like basically true. I guess. Yeah, and at the time we're like, yeah, shut up, Locke. Come on. Yeah. 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 And um he says that Jack won't believe yet, doesn't believe yet, but he will. Which he does. Do you yeah. think when Locke first looked in the eye of the island everybody saw it was beautiful, is that there was some way that the man of black communicated to him any kind of truth? Like a premonition? Mm-hmm. Or truth about being brought to the island. And then he, oh. I don't know. Mm. I mean, I obviously the smoke monster can't talk, but I wonder if there's any way to scan into his brain. Again, I am pulling stuff out of my rear here. Um, yeah. But the, the, the <laughs> possibilities are endless. That's what I like about this show was a choose your own adventure. No, yeah. it's true. Because like we, we've never seen him do something like that, but I wouldn't put it past him. I feel like, you know, he's a all knowing being. So why not? It's right, in the sure. possibility of like what he's capable of. Right, because then all of a sudden his com- Locke becomes a completely different person yeah. after his first encounter with Smokey. Yeah. So anyway, 
The next one was that Jack says that we're going to have a lock problem. <laughs> Does he mean like Locke is going to try and take more of a leadership role and start butting heads with him? Or like what what exactly does he mean? I think by that? it's that Locke has an uncanny ability to discount everyone's safety in order to achieve a personal goal. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Locke making a grab for leadership would be basically Locke deciding that everyone around him is expendable as long as he figures out like what's going on. And indeed, as soon as the hatch opens, the lock problem becomes a lock problem. Yeah. It's true. And like even when, you know, early season four, Locke says, Okay, bye, Jack. I'm taking my people over here. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's true. Wow. The last one I have for this storyline is that they're going into the hatch. And at this point, Desmond is like just waking up for the day, had a had a, a milkshake, uh, had a quick needle in his arm and uh, did some working out. And then he went, oh, something's going on. And since I can't be on the next uh, episodes with you, I'll just say the one thing that made me laugh and still makes me laugh is the fresh eggs and the goddamn hatch. Because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as far as we from? know... The Dharma drops don't include delicate eggs, and right, there's no true. chickens. Like, where, where do these mysterious eggs come from? Also, the true. washing machine was a 2004 washing machine. And it's friggin' smoothie oh. with the blender. Yeah. Now, putting, I, I suspend my disbelief, and I never really cared. I always would joke about it on my blog, like, listen, yeah. the Dharma drop gave him a brand new washer. Really? Okay. <laughs> Sure, and sure, how Jan. To, how to how to install it and everything? Right. I mean, listen. We know Desmond is that, and and Marcus figure it out. very resourceful. Yeah, you um, figured out. But I just I always laugh at the opening scene, which I think is genius because at the time again we're like we had no concept in season two opener and season three with Juliet what the f was going on. Oh my gosh, both great. I also thought stuff. we were in another hatch when we met Juliet. So, oh, oh. I mean that would make sense. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, wait, they're not going to repeat themselves. And I'm like, wait, whoa. Anyway, yes, season one, uh, season two openers is amazing. So good. It's my favorite opener. It's the first thing of Lost I ever showed Claire. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She was like, oh, and I was like, well, I told you. You didn't show him shirtless and naked in the jungle? I was going to, but she wouldn't have got the, the joke. All right, fair, fair. Yeah. So I was like, no, here's this whole scene. Watch it. And she's like, well, what's going on? Why is he like underground? Why is there explosions? And I'm like, aren't those all good questions, Claire? (laughs) You should watch the show and it looks like the pressure worked. Oh, it absolutely did. It sure did. (laughs) Robin has an uncanny ability to do that. The raft, which is like the big one with the most spoilers. So the first one that Joe wanted me to write down was about buried secrets. Right. So for those who uh, are inclined, there are, I think they're on YouTube still, if if ABC hasn't yanked them, there are um, a a few little side episodes that were interstitials that they didn't fit on the show. And at the time they were like made for the internet, you know, like little webisodes, if you will. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And they had an interesting scene that Michael and Michael and son had a love connection of sorts. Yeah. And oh. did, they kiss, did they kiss? I forget. No, they didn't. They did, but they were going I think, to. I think they were going to, but they didn't. Yeah. So the dynamic is so interesting between the three of them. I don't like that. Yeah. I know. I don't and that's why it. there's someone where he says, you're really lucky. And I'm like, you don't even know Sun, though. Yeah. You don't even know her. Yeah. But mm, yeah. I think that he was like sort of jealous. Like his marriage fell apart. He's, his kid isn't bonding with him and he was stuck on a raft. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I just always think about these little, the little webisodes because they are canon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, also knowing now what we know about Walt, you know, with his abilities. Yeah. It's like as much as he was special, he still couldn't stop his own kidnapping. 
True. Well, he hadn't harnessed his powers yet. Right. 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 I'm just trying to find logic in the Walt storyline, and there is none. Well, the actor got too big, and they messed up by not featuring him ever again. You know, except for in the window, which is great. I mean, there was friggin' time travel in season five. Yeah, they had him in... uh, in, in Life and Death of Jeremy Bentham. Right, I know. And then in the... Um, because they had a time jump. Epilogue. Yeah. 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 yeah, that but, was, yeah. And that, that made sense logistically, but it would have been yeah. nice to have more Walt. Exactly. Agree. Yeah. And also, you know, they could have really done something cool where they explain away, like, there's one part of the island that runs faster in time than others. Right. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. Or like Walt's a magic guy. He just grows fast. Yeah, exactly. Taller ghost Walt. Taller ghost Walt. Yeah. <laughs> Taller ghost Walt. Don't push the I remember numbers. The numbers all are these bad. memes. <laughs> and they all make sense now. Yeah. Yep. Okay, another thing I was thinking about is a water and gin. Um, because, you right. know, gin, I know we're in spoilers, so I don't think this is a spoiler alert, but the whole like gin dying in the submarine with sun. I just think it's really interesting mm-hmm. that his life changed both times out in the open on the water. I mean, he also was, quote, blown up on the freighter. He was on the raft, and he died in the submarine. Oh, yeah. wow. That hurts my feelings. I know. Yeah. <laughs> now every time Jin's around water, I'm going to be like, no! I know. It's not Careful. great. Not great! Uh, Sawyer says he's not a hero, and you're like, you will be, bud. Just wait till season five and sunflowers. Yeah, you got to get yourself a girl. And also, in the Flash sideways, he is. He chooses to be a cop rather than I a criminal. I love that so much. Which shows you, yeah. like, Sawyer always had the potential to make change in the world. It's just the circumstances. Totally. Yeah. He's the best. Like, um, you also wanted to talk about Sawyer and Star Wars. Okay, so as you know, in future yep. episodes, uh, I think it was season four or five, I think five, when Hurley and Sawyer are driving the Dharma van and Hurley's like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to write the next, em- the, the Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. And then Sawyer like says something like, he does, Sawyer makes a reference like he doesn't even know what Star Wars is. And I'm like, wait a second. Yeah. Hold on. He's made multiple Star Wars rep- yeah. references. It was a weird discrepancy. Yeah. And I think that's <laughs> literally one of the only things that quote, angered lost fans on the message boards, which, you know, anger is meaning, don't they remember? Jeez, golly jeepers. It's like, <laughs> they, were they so nailed little, everything like, else. I know. There's so little outrage. It was so lovely. Yeah. But there were also inconsistencies like, Charlie swimming out in the ocean when he was afraid of the water in his flashback in this pool. And like, you know, and then he was saying, I can't swim. And then he goes out and does it. So, yeah, yeah, I think we made sense of that. Just thinking that like Charlie was lying because he didn't want to go out there. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. That's, that's entirely We're just trying to make sense of things that are indiscrepant. Right. Yeah. Like if you were going to try and make sense of the Star Wars thing, I mean, a lot of Star Wars colloquialisms like made it into mainstream culture. Like if you say Han and Chewie, Robin, who has never seen Star Wars, would understand that. Right. Yeah, I would. I I sure would. Yes. So it could be that he can make Star Wars jokes having never seen Star Wars. I don't buy it. Just doesn't sound like a thing Sawyer wouldn't see. Okay, well, here's a cuter one. Sawyer is actually a huge nerd, and then he pretends that he's not. Right, he does love reading books. There you go. He's a huge, big old nerd, and he just, like, puts on the cool guy persona because he doesn't want anyone to know, like, how soft he is. And I'm sure for many ladies out there, shirtless reading is a hot thing. (laughs) I mean, probably. To me, it just sounds uncomfortable. Yeah, (laughs) I would totally put a shirt on, but, like, I don't look like Josh Holloway or Evangeline Lilly, so, but I'm sure... But also, that's what I'm saying, equal opportunity. Like, they would not dare have Vanjie Lily reading in her bra or bikini. I love that. I love that. Like, they can't pass the Bechdel test, but when it comes to this other situation, they do it so well. Yeah, totally. Doesn't Josh spend, like, all of season four shirtless, basically? I mean, it's great. I mean, a lot of it. Yeah. 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 
on direct references on Lostpedia, uh, Hurley says Jedi moment, um, calls Han and Chewie. He also calls Jin Chewie two other times. Right. Oh, so Jin's Chewie. Okay. Yeah. Sawyer was he called can't... Hurley Jabba. Yes! <laughs> That's so mean! I know! Ugh. Um, Dave once referenced Star Wars, but that makes sense because Dave was in Hurley's head. Or was he? Sawyer mentions uh, the old Wookiee prisoner gag. Yep. That's very Sawyer specific. Sawyer once okay. referred to Ben as Yoda. Yeah. Like, he's just made so many. No, those are too goes... deep dive for him to not have, like, been obsessed with Star yeah. Wars. Uh, just going back to Dave real quick. David existed. Come on. D was David. He was the husband of Libby who got the boat to Desmond. What? That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Robin's like, hang on. Libby wouldn't marry that guy. That guy was garbagey. His name was Dave. He was at the same institution as Libby and Hurley. And Libby's dead husband's name was David. The boat that she gave and accidentally ran into Desmond in an airport and gave him the boat called David that took him to the island. I know, but but then like, what about like Dave being like not in the pictures that like the the um what's he was already dead okay Mm -hmm. i'm gonna have to do more thinking about okay you're welcome (laughs) okay i was jumping way ahead (laughs) um okay um let's see we also have that they take walt because he's special they're gonna put him in room 23 friendly mr friendly is here that's not a real beard I love that th- I love the reveal in the next season of the costumes. I really love yeah. that. Beard. Like the drama club of the others. I love Mr. Friendly. Mr. Friendly has like a special place in my heart and it made me sad when he died. Also, Mr. Friendly the, is our a queer characters. I, I can't believe the one like the real like shining flaw of the show is the lack of queer, but back then like yeah. it doesn't surprise me, it doesn't excuse it, but I love that we have a giant old bear uh, <laughs> no joke who pretends to be menacing and is just like this sort of not menacing gay guy, you know? Yep. His name is Friendly. Exactly. Ah, oh, Tom Friendly. Yeah. And he's got a cute boyfriend. So weird. But I mean... One of the other things he, he wanted dies, me to write yes. down was that you know how the others found the raft. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. The looking glass station. Ahaha. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, they totally worked in conjunction. I, You know, even though Ben told them it, everyone it was, it was abandoned, the technology down there was yeah. working. And so they had the boat... Uh, with you know the boat that featured heavily that Mike Michael took off the island in season the end of season three. Yeah. It's like that. It's all connected to the sonar down in the Looking Glass. Is that um, the place where Lena Perea was inexplicably? It sure was. Lena okay. Perea was yep. there for an episode. See, there's some gay knowledge for you. And then she died. Hey, fun fact though, she and Jorge go way back from when they were younger. They went to uh, school what? near each other. and went to drama school, and they have a similar. They have some similar family background. Um, Cute. cool. Super cool. Yeah, he and Lena are good friends. That's really neat. Yeah. IG lives here. Um, those are all my spoiler thoughts. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm glad you wrote down the ones that I had mentioned. Yeah. It's, okay. There's so much in this episode. It's so good. Yeah. It's so true. I actually, Amazing. I honestly like, um, I was thinking about the brief scene with Son and Claire and it made me really, really wish we had more of that. More friendship. Yeah. yeah. There weren't a lot of time, weren't, there wasn't a lot of time for friendships, let alone female friendships on the show because there weren't that yeah. many women. But I just, there was something, um, not even maternal, but almost sisterly between them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then when Juliet came along, it was the same with sort of her dynamic with them when, you know, when they finally figured out she was sort of on their side. And I I don't know. I just, I kind of longed for more scenes between these women. Yeah. I loved the scene with like Shannon, Sun, and Claire, yeah. the, like the previous episode where they're just kind of like having a chat and like they're having a very dark chat, yeah. but, but at least they're like talking, you know, like you got to gossip. Right. Yeah. And it's, 
It's how are you living on this island without gossiping? And the, now that everyone knows that, you know, Sun, they know that Sun speaks English and with Jin off the island, she can be free and she can mm-hmm. talk amongst herself with the girls. Yeah. I want to hear Sun's stories about her marriage. I want to hear what Shannon and Saeed were doing recently. But I also yeah. want to hear, like, what their thoughts are, like, apart from, like, the men in their lives. Like, that's yes. the thing that really bugs me. Yeah. I want storylines like, you know, Kate and... Um, Claire's where it's about their situation and it's about what they're going through and it's not about, you know, any romantic sort of thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wanted, I really wanted more storylines because women in this show are very much like the, the guys girls. Yeah. You know, like they, they have male friendships. That's why when they started to get into how son was a badass, I really enjoyed that. I was hoping for more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. You know who we ha- we somehow haven't mentioned during this whole podcast? Ben. Well, because because he doesn't show up until season two. Yeah. And if you don't really know, you know, and I know we're in spoilers now, but I mean, they're what a game changer of a character and a human being. Yeah. Yeah. I texted Robin and I was like, because Ben controls the, well, controls yeah. the, the smoke monster. Yes. Uh, he can summon it. Yes. So do you but think Ben it. sent the smoke monster after the group? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm inclined to think no. Uh, I'm not sure what he, like, why would he do that? Why? But I also well, think as we found out later with Fit Jacob, like when he's like, what do you mean? And he's like, what about me? He's like, what about you? And what the about he's you? Like, he's been yep. a pawn and a pants, pants, pa- pansy. Hi. Patsy the whole, <laughs> I'm tired, Patsy the whole time. So like maybe he thought he was summoning the smoke monster when the smoke monster was working him. Yep. The smoke monster was like, okay, yeah. I'm doing this because it serves my agenda, dumbass. I don't think- He's like, it's cute that you think I'm coming here for you. Yeah. I don't think Ben has much control as, of anything as he thought he did. A, yeah. And B, that the smoke monster really answered to him. Yeah. I don't think the smoke monster ever answered to him. Because how do you, it's not like he can report back. Like, okay, I went and scared Locke. How's it going? (laughs) That's the thing I was thinking. I was like, is Ben just sitting there laughing his ass off at the idea of like Locke getting dragged through the jungle? (laughs) Right. The smoke monster comes back and is just like, mission accomplished. Scooby snack, please. (laughs) Just like like in season one, some of the best uh, scenes are between Locke and Jack. I would argue that some of the best scenes of the whole series are between Locke and Ben. Agree. So yeah, when, yeah. when Ben Linus shows up, everything changes. The the I it, love how much Ben can get under Locke's skin just uh, by yeah. being like, I'm just saying something casual. Yeah. And Locke's like, ha, that doesn't bother me. And then immediately has like a freak out right out of his sight. Yeah. The air and tension on the show like viscerally changed when he showed up. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. I like I, I love the dichotomy between Locke and Ben just because they both have the same blind belief that they're special. Right. And be- yeah. between them it's a competition. Whereas you think it's between Locke and Jack to be the leader, but it's really between Locke and Ben to see like who does the island love the most. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. I just want to talk about Ben. Okay, we're good now. <laughs> <laughs> uh should we outro? Sure. Sure. Okay, Joe, once again, thank you so yeah, much for coming you on. So much. Hey, thanks for having me for three whole sessions here. It's been great. And you know, I, I'd love to come on for the rest of your finales if time well if time works out on our schedules. Hell yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, um and wanna tell us one more time where we can find you on the internet? Yes, you can find me at Joe Opinionated, and you can find me at Cancer Gets Lost. Yay! And there's an auction coming Yay. up this year, so go bid in it. Yes, there's a couple yeah. auctions. Yes, yeah. I don't know. When is this episode gonna come out? Ooh, good um, point. I can check. So the episode that we just recorded earlier today goes up on the 26th, and this episode will go out on the 12th of March. Oh, perfect. That's actually good timing because in mid March, there will be an online charity auction of 
items from the hundred specifically uh, to benefit a children's cancer charity. And I, I have some exciting related news uh, to this auction that um, once this, it'll, it'll be revealed by the time this podcast comes out. But anyway, there will be a an online charity auction for fans all over the world of the hundred um, coming in March. And then we have a giant auction of 500 items from 75 different shows and films in that. Hi, August. <laughs> August first is when it opens, and that's again, so many items. So many items, and it's uh, also online. It opens to everyone around the world. Amazing. Yeah, and it's very well run. I so. just won something. Yes, you did. We both have won yes, something have. On ca- from Can't Get Lost. Both of us. Okay, but to be fair, it was it was a Can't Get Lost because it was a personal auction. But that's yes, right. yeah, just to to gotcha. benefit the relief and recovery and rebuilding in Puerto Rico, I did an eBay auction because uh, I have so much amazing inventory of the hundred items, and you won a signed Bellamy postcard, right? Uh, it was signed by Jorge. Oh, sorry. You won the lost thing. Yes. 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 Yeah. And then Brittany ha- won the cabbie picture signed by Ian and Paige. That's yeah. right. It is my most yeah. treasured uh, thing now. <laughs> Excellent job. Appreciate all of your bidding and all of my auctions. Well, thank you for having them. You're welcome. Of course. Yeah. Um, you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me at, at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end because someone else has the other ones and it irritates me. <laughs> Rude. And you can follow at the Aficionados on most places, but mostly Twitter. Yeah. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash the Aficionados. I've said it enough in the last four times. <laughs> but if you have anything to spare, we really appreciate it. If you don't, we still love you anyway. Yeah. Thank you for listening either way. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Bye. What? What'd you say? This is the spoiler section for our season one roundtable featuring Sarah and Scott. Spoilers, spoilers, gonna talk spoilers. Spoilers, spoilers, gonna talk spoilers. (laughs) Oh, I'm a musical genius. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the spoiler section. Finally. Yay! Let's talk so, uh, about Ben. Yeah, what's yes. Ben up to? Oh my god, I, Ollie, let's talk about Ben. I think he's just creeping. Honestly. He's just sitting there waiting for book club to start. Exactly. Stalking except Juliet. he got kicked out, unfortunately. Because he's a creep. Basically, he's like sending Ethan and Goodwin places and then like I, yeah, stalking Juliet and being like, oh no, they died. I think like think originally Ben's plan is pretty clearly a sort of non-interventionism at the first point. Like, he's... Oh, yeah, he just wants to watch. Like, they're very careful not to expose that they're even there for quite a while. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think that's what Ben's doing is he's, like, chilling, he's watching whatever feeds he has, and he's waiting for updates from Ethan and Goodwin. Yeah, doesn't he say, don't get involved? Yeah. 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 Well, it's like my my thing that I enjoy thinking about, even though it's not overly realistic, is that whenever he gets bored, he just releases a smoke monster to mess with Locke. <laughs> ah! Even though, the, obviously, like, the man in black does whatever the hell he yeah, wants. I enjoy thinking that, like, Ben is watching Locke and going, you fool. I have a question. When, when Rousseau finds out that they're coming for the boy, like, do you think they were planning on coming for the boy ever since, like, Ethan saw him and Ethan decided they should come? Or, like, how did they know about about Walt. I'm I'm going to yeah. assume especially since they're spy with our like our main people and not the Tailies is gone so much faster. I always kind of assumed that they had to do some at a distance spying 
Yeah. And that it oh, took yeah. them longer to figure out that Walt was the one they would sh- should take because they didn't have an inside person to give them as much information about that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with enough observation, it would be reasonably, like, you could kind of figure it out, but... Now I need to check to see if Ethan died or Goodwin died first. I have a feeling I can't it was remember. Ethan, but I'm gonna go check. Oh, I have something that's a spoiler that I can say that I actually I so Russo tells them at first that she's like never seen anybody. And I couldn't decide yeah. if that was a retcon, but I realized it actually makes perfect sense she would need to lie to them. Because yeah. the only time she saw them was when they were taking Alex. And since she's not acknowledging who Alex is, and she's not willing to open that can of worms, she has to lie to them. Otherwise, she has to explain how and why, and she has no details. And, like, God love Rousseau, but she's so, like, addled that I don't think she's up to really lying in any way but avoidance or just, like, no, I've never seen them. Like, she's not creating stories here. Also, guess what? What? Guess what? 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 Goodwin died two days before Ethan. Hmm. And yet everyone was still like, yeah, Ben should still be in charge. (laughs) Well, he he specifically sent Goodwin because Goodwin was having an affair with Juliet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He He wanted Goodwin to die. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what his deal with Ethan was, though, because Ethan and he were like buds. Ethan probably irritated him once, and he was done. Uh, I always, I kind of wonder if he sent, he sent Goodwin, because we know that, like, because there's, with the Taylor's camp, they're at a less hospitable place, like, they're more out in the boonies, and it seemed like uh, our, our main heroes are closer a little bit like there seems to be mm-hmm. a longer distance between Anna Lucia's people and Ben than Ben and our people. Yeah, so yeah. I'm going to assume he sends Ethan to the closer camp because he trusts Ethan and he likes Ethan mm. and he sends Goodwin out to the boonies to stay with them. Because Ethan seems to come and go. Like Ethan doesn't seem to be sleeping right. on the beach really. He just kind of disappears. Shows up every once in a while and then leaves. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. there during the day, but when he's and he's hoping that Goodwin's gonna get caught and die because he. That's what I'm thinking is, especially because Goodwin doesn't get to go back and forth like Ethan does. So I kind of assume that he sent Goodwin to the easier. Like, if you were going to assume someone was going to get caught, it's the guy who has no backup, who is stuck out on the ass end of the island. So yeah. I would assume that was more banishment. And then once he died, he was kind of like, eh, well, wasn't going to cry about it. I mean, um, does Ben cry about anything, though? Yeah, true. Well, eventually. Yeah, yeah, I was about to like, uh, maybe when later. his daughter gets shot in the head in front of him. Okay, yeah, well, okay. you know what? I was yeah. pretending that that didn't happen. Thanks so much. That was I... one of those things that happened on the show that I was like, did they really actually just do this? No, right? Like, I'm, yep, I'm, I'm, sure I'm glad that they never actually showed it. But oh, I was yeah. kind of like, yeah. holy shit. Like, you guys actually, holy crap. And it's lost no power at all. Watching and, that episode again is yeah. always like getting socked right in the gut, no matter how yeah. many times you see it. I remember watching an interview with Michael Emerson where he he talked about how that death shows you the actual true terror that is Kimi and that Kimi will always actually be more dangerous than Ben because yep. Ben is tempered by the fact that even though his moral compass doesn't point north, he has one. And it's also like right. Ben 
Ben is ruthless, but in a highly logical way. Yeah. Like, he yeah. doesn't kill people if killing people isn't the exact thing to do. Yeah. Kiwi's like, I don't need to kill Alex here. There well, are other things I could do, but I feel like this is the... I'm just going to do it because it'll get a reaction from you and whatever. You pissed me off. Like, the idea that he could use Alex as a bargaining chip is probably way smarter. Keep the daughter around. You can get stuff out of Ben with her. Like, if you're going to kidnap Ben, keep the daughter, torture her, so you can keep Ben's cooperation. Like, if I'm Kimi, that's the smart plan. But I think Kimi, too, is terrifying because he's so... He's He's not methodical like Ben. He's not thoughtful like Ben. He will do something in the moment because it feels right to do. Well, Ben will get in your psyche and make you, well, will twist your head so much. And I didn't think they were going to kill her. I 1,000% thought, oh no, they'll never do this. Yeah, Yeah, Ben doesn't need to kill people because Ben can get in your head and make Mm -hmm. you do things without persuasion. Oh, yeah. Like, and I think what Keeney was thinking was like, okay, how the hell am I going to ever get this guy to convince me? I'm just going to shoot his kid and that's going to show him. That's how So he'll know I'm serious. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's also like... Kimi's mad. Like, he's been put through bullshit with these people. They're jerking him around. They're making his day hard. Like, from Kimi's <laughs> perspective, he's just trying to do... He's a sociopath trying to do his job. And these people are just not making it easy. So, all right, I'll make it simple for you. Yep. You know? Shot your daughter in the head. Think you should do what I fa- say you do now? So there's there's a ruthlessness to it, but it's a it's such a momentary like lashing out ruthlessness. There's yeah. no further thought like down the road Alex would be more helpful as a as a hostage as a bargaining chip than I mean hell cut off her hand, yeah. strap her down and slice off her hand while Ben watches. You know like you can do things that aren't shooting her in the head like. That sounds terrible, and I sound very enthusiastic yeah, I was like, about it. I'm really scared of you now. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, if I'm a villain, like, the, if you're if? splitting the difference between Ben and Kimi, you end up with the kind of villain who would strap Alex down and torture her to draw Ben out. But Kimi's, Kimi doesn't think towards the future, and Ben doesn't like that level of sheer brutality. So it's like, well, I don't think he can see that coming from Kimi yeah. because it's not the smartest move. And in, Ben is always thinking about life almost like chess, I think. Yeah, well, Ben's playing chess and Kimi's shooting the board. And he expects other people to be rational chess players too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so for him, he's thinking, well, if I'm saying to him... You won't get me out even if you shoot her. And then he shoots her. I have no reason to go out anyway. That would be a really, really stupid thing to do. You've just killed my incentive, quite literally. But for someone like Kimi, he's brutal. And it's it's a quick way in the moment to make a point. Yeah. Kimi's so Um, terrible. I love that actor. He's having so much fun being terrible. Yeah, there's, like, there's something to be said about villains who are just straight-up villains. Like, I hate yeah. Kini. He's the worst. 
And it's nice to hate someone. But I'm having so much fun with the performance because the actor is exactly. like chewing every bit of scenery he can exactly. get and having fun with it. And it, that's a joy to watch. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, at least he makes good eggs. <laughs> He's such a jerk. I just love that actor. <laughs> Well, it's that bit of that, he kind of has like a list thing that he does with his with his lip, too, mm-hmm. that I noticed. And it's yeah, just he like, like curls his lip a little. A, like a sneer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's the little shit where it's just like, you're, that just makes him just to be a, such a big dick. You know what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> yeah. There is nothing about Kimi that is likable. No. There's absolutely nothing redeeming about him. Not one feature. No, and, he and makes the, good eggs. He makes good eggs, but okay. But like, <laughs> Robin's like, if we don't bring up the eggs, I don't know if the eggs are like on the scale. They would have to be the best eggs I would ever have for it to be uh, anything like even redeeming. I don't. But what like it shows eggs, you is so. that the writers did him right. Like they oh, wrote yeah. him exactly the way that he was supposed to be—a dick that didn't think about anything except for. I'm going to hurt you, and I'm going to hurt you so you listen to me, and what's the worst thing I can do? Boom, I'm going to shoot your daughter in the head. Like, where like where Ben would have thought it out and processed it for weeks and months on end, how to, like, torture a person out or screw oh, with yeah. their psyche, yeah. where he's just like, done. It's also, and there's something and that's fun about writing someone like that. Like, sometimes oh, yeah. just you want to write the mustache-twirling villain. And it's also, like, Kimi, he makes sense to me in a way where it's, like, I don't feel like they have they've made him a cardboard cutout because there are Kimis in the world. There oh, yeah. are people who just are awful and enjoy being awful, but also especially in terms of him being ex-Special Forces and having uh, experience in Black Ops, like, just speaking in terms of, like, real-life military, the American military basically likes to break its soldiers via social conditioning because, fun fact, uh... Before uh, the Korean War, uh, the U.S. Army tested their snipers, and even their best snipers, who had like 99% effectiveness on the range, were hitting about half their targets in the field because, go figure, human beings don't really like to murder each other. Like, most people, if they have to look down the barrel of a gun and shoot somebody else, experience some level of anxiety or distaste. So what they do in basic training is they depersonalize people. They teach them to dehumanize enemies, to kill, and then they send them out into a war zone where it's boring and nothing happens and it's high stress and then everything happens and maybe people cry and then it's boring and it's high stress. So it's, we essentially break our armed forces and then we send them home and don't support them. So a guy like Kimi, I mean, clearly the army doesn't create Kimis. Like to be Kimi, you had to be yeah, that kind be of person already. as a child. Yeah. But I can see how somebody like Kimi is like almost in some ways like uh, I don't know if you guys know about bl- the Blackwater Group and all the problems that we had with them. Yeah, g- this is Sarah bringing it serious again. But Blackwater was a mercenary group that uh, tortured and murdered uh, Iraqi and, I believe, Afghani citizens. And part of it was they were ex-special forces. They had been assigned to work in these sort of mercenary groups, and they got bored, and they had been trained to brutalize. So there's this thing of 
certain people, when you give them power and the ability to do harm, will be will take an intrinsic capability that might never have shown up in that way. Like, in some ways, I feel like Kimi is kind of Randy. <laughs> if you give Randy a bunch of ammo and no consequences. What a, what a strange character connection. But do you know what I mean? Like, there's that level of, like, Randy is terrible. And he enjoys making other people around him feel terrible. And Kimi has that same aspect of, like, he's getting off on it. He is really enjoying that these people are terrified. Who the hell is Randy? Randy uh, was uh, Hurley I, and Locke's boss. The oh, awful boss you. guy. Oh, thank God. I was Do you see what I mean? What Randy are you guys talking about? Yeah, see what I mean? Like, awful show? boss dude is, like... I mean, yes, there's a difference between what Randy does to Locke and what Kimi does to Alex, but there is that core of, like, I enjoy my power over you. I enjoy that I can hurt you. And, you know, it's the difference between I'm just making you feel like garbage and I'm murdering your daughter in the face. (laughs) That was a freaking trip for a minute there. I was like, Randy... Uh, Who's Randy? Like, Randy? Is this another Battlestar thing? <laughs> I'm so out of the No, loop I just made up this I was there. Anyway. I was there I'm like, you, Sarah. I'm like, there's no Randy in Battlestar? <laughs> okay, see, now all I heard that in was that there's no crying in baseball. There's no crying in baseball? There's no Randy in Battlestar. And I'm thinking Randy from Trailer Park Boys would never do anything like that. Let's go Randy. And then I I went to Randy from Bob's Burgers, and then I was like, no, I, this oh, can't God. be right now. I was like, Candy Randy would never do this. I'm okay. so behind on Bob's Burgers. <gasps> oh, my God. It's all, all on Canadian Netflix now. It is such a damn good show. I, that's all I have to say before we go show. into it, our rant on that. No, yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm I'm with you. Same. It is, like, one of my favorite shows of all time. Agreed. Yep. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost tomorrow. I know. Um, and I haven't So, eaten. I feel like the, when we're actually, like, doing the episodes, a lot of the time we'll say, we'll talk about what the man in black is thinking, and we'll say, like, was it the island who did this? But every time we say the island, we're talking about Not the man, yeah. You know so, what I really um, like? Is, yeah. Um... I mean, especially now that we know that there's some sort of level of, like, both the man in black and Jacob can, I guess, I don't know how to put this, but, like, read people or whatever, Mm -hmm. or they feel they can. That moment in the jungle where Locke stares down the smoke monster, and you don't know, when you don't know it's the man in black, it feels like a triumphant moment for Locke. And I feel like now, once you know it's the man in black, all I can think is that is the moment where he's like, oh, this is the one. He wants it bad, and I can get him to do anything. Yep. I feel Mm -hmm. like that's why Locke doesn't die. That's the moment where the man in black is like, this is my ticket. He's the one. So what would you say is the difference between when that happens to Locke and when that happens to Echo? Well, he... I think, honestly, Echo would, wouldn't have done it. I don't think mm. Echo would have killed Ben. I no, think he oh, would no, have. Yeah. I think that's basically what it was, is Echo could not be manipulated. Like, Locke could be manipulated. 
So the man in black kills Law or kills Echo because he will not, not be used. Yeah, he's Echo not he like Lock. That Echo wouldn't kill Jacob. You mean? Yeah, I think Echo wouldn't okay. have killed Jacob. Right. And I think that's why. And also, there's other stuff. And also, the actor wanted off the show and whatever. I was yeah. going to say, do you guys think that maybe they were going to go almost in that direction until the actor said, "I want off." I gotta get I, out of Hawaii. I feel like there was more that had to be coming. Yeah, Joe said they had, like, full-on season six plans for Echo. Yeah, and I've, I've heard that all along, was that they that his development would have been a lot oh, more yeah. if he wouldn't have just quit. I feel like, like Locke and Echo were meant to almost have kind of, like, a Jacob Man in Black sort of early vibe. Because yeah. they're building up that the two of them have this connection and have this passion about the island, and then Echo dies, so it never goes yeah. anywhere, but... Wait, he wanted to leave Hawaii? That's one thing that I read that, that yeah. he said... Yeah, the actor wanted to off the show, and I can't I can't remember why. Is that man insane? Yeah, Maybe. basically that he told them, like, I gotta get out of here, I quit, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, oh, Weird. here's what... Yeah, he wanted off. Whereas, like, some of the others loved Hawaii so much they moved there and stayed yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. And, like, my, who the hell leaves, like, a hit show, like, especially, like, when, like, season yeah. two is really starting to ramp up. And if and if he knew that they had plans for his character, you would have thought that they would have told him that, too. Weird choice. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Boone. Yeah. Where do we see... Uh, must we? Yeah. <laughs> what, like, when, I, we see Boone coming back all the time, and it's always, like, kind of a treat, because Boone was gone for such a long time. They're like, oh! There he is. My favorite Boone moment after he's passed away is, like, season six, episode one, LAX. The part that really gets me is when Boone is talking to Locke and is saying, if this thing goes down, I'm sticking with you. Oh! Echo's that moment about that kills scene. me. That's Sorry, awesome. I just Googled Echo's actor. His parents died. Oh. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, this I've is what, that's that. what uh, Google is telling me is that his parents died and he oh, God wanted bless him then. to deal with it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I was like, why would you want to get off Hawaii? But if your parents died, yeah, you'd want to go. I've never heard that. All I heard was that he Yeah, I had quit. never heard that either. No, I knew he wanted off, but I had never heard why. Oh, that just broke my heart. No, right? Isn't that sad? Oh, no wonder. Yeah. Um, both of his parents passed away, and he wanted to go back home to the UK. Good for him. Well, yeah, no, sense. that's straight yeah. up, like, and good for the show for respecting him and being like, this is a moment where you clearly need to go deal with your your family and help your emotions. Like, good for them for letting him go. Well, luckily this show wasn't run by Joss Whedon, so you don't have oh. to ask for these things. Not that we're talking about Cordelia right now, or all spend another hour literally i never even watched buffy and even i know the story of how just all i can say is when you kill off your one of your most beloved characters after giving her a literal demon baby because you're mad that your lead actress got pregnant you might be a man child not a good look yeah. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. Boone. So Boone. So Boone. I have nothing to say about Boone. Boone comes back in visions. Stop I wish he would in some flashbacks. Right. Because he he comes back in um the other what is it uh what's it the other forty seven days is that what the episode the other forty eight yeah forty eight days it's only his it's only his voice over the the radio that Bernard's talking on oh, yeah. okay I know there's another scene where he actually where they actually comes in and he's like. He's like, I got pens, I got pens, I got pens. 
where it's I like flashback to the pilot or something. Oh, it's expose, I think. Expose, expose I think. and I love yeah. that. It, it's it's just a small back or small callback stuff that I just love. Yeah. That that we get to see throughout the whole show. That it, it, I don't know. I'm one of those easy people. Like show me something that I watched once and I'm like ah. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm simple. Ironically, I kind of feel, especially like once you've I've seen the series all, series as a whole, I always wondered if it was like a function of not being able to find stuff for Shannon and Boone to do, and that's why they died. But I honestly think, especially after watching the whole thing and having processed it, it feels instinctively more like they're kind of our token lead red shirts in a way. They're Ned Stark. Mm. Because Boone and Shannon don't really plug into the story. Like, their brushes up against the big island plot have to do with, like, Shannon translating the message for other people. And then yeah, she doesn't right. go back to it. And Boone is helping Locke. Well, so sometimes if, you don't realize that those characters don't fit in until you've, you know, you've been writing for a while and you're like, oh, crap. Yeah, so it could go either way. It could go either way, but I honestly think if, I would honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if I found out that they built those two up so that they could kill off leads so that the things would matter and we would feel it without killing off someone like, say, John Locke, who that means you have to create a whole new story. He's arguably the most interesting character. Yeah. To, to like, all the plot stuff Locke meant, was meant to do would have to be shifted. Whereas with yeah. Shannon or Boone... They don't have an intimate connection to the, like, even someone like Claire, who is less involved personally in the mystery, has Aaron. Yeah, But yeah. Boone and Shannon have no intimate ties to the inner core of the mystery, so Except I wouldn't Simon. be shocked if they were actually kind of designed to die off early, because you right. can kill them and have an emotional blow without it being a plot blow that you need to scramble to catch up on, like something with Walt or Echo, where the changes clearly set them off a little and they had to figure out how to re rejigger and recalibrate. I mean, plus writer's strike, you just... This show ran with the punches. Oh, the poor writer's strike, man. Like, this show did a lot when they were throwing curveballs in. Oh, yeah. In the end, I think they wound up benefiting from it. No, and honestly, oh like, people complain about the middle seasons, which is totally fair. I complain about them too. But there's a level to which, I mean, as a writer, I can't help but be on their side for a lot of it. Yeah. Because the network, you know, the network was like, we're not giving you an end date. You're popular, you make money, you'll keep going until we decide you're not going anymore. How do you know when to pull a plot trigger? How do you know, like, to do something you can't go back from so you end up with a lot of wheel spinning, and some of it's creative and works, and some of it is Nikki and Paolo. But I hey, uh oh, hey, you've, you've made my I like expose. I gotta defend that. Oh, I love expose. I think it's hilarious, and I actually like both those actors quite a lot. But just as yeah. characters, they don't work. Which is, I, I actually, oh, right. speaking of spoilers, I think this is something they did really, really well as a form of sophisticated wheel spinning is when the network wouldn't give them a timeline so they didn't know what plot triggers to pull they started experimenting with format and and taking up space in a way that is wheel spinning 
Yeah, it's but thriller. doesn't feel as obvious because you're so interested. And, like, Nikki and Paolo is an example of how that didn't work. You can't go back and insert them into all these scenes and make us be like, yeah, they're the most important characters on the show. I suppose it is great if you watch it as a comedy. Yeah, exactly. No, it's funny. It is really a funny episode. I think one of the best things that the writers ever did for, or I guess the network ever did for Lost was giving it an end date. Oh, totally. You you, you have to build to that. Like, my God, like, I, I know to go back to it, but... If they made The Walking Dead and said next year's the last year, hell, more people would watch it. Cause oh at least yeah, there's something to build up to it. Yeah, it'd like, have a purpose. Would, would would we have watched thirty seasons of Lost? Probably not. No. We would have got well, Robin sick would. And tired yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. It's also like just in terms of like on a basic structure scale. If you're talking about your average storyline structure as the quote roller coaster model, the problem with not having a deadline is you need to hit all these points along the roller coaster up to climax and then, you know, the downward shift again. And if you don't know how long you're going to go and you hit the midpoint of your story, I don't know, a quarter of the way in, now your hands are tied and you're kind of screwed. Oh, fun fact about this. Uh, this is, I can't remember if this, which part of Darleton said this, but it was from an interview with both of them. Did you just... They- Combine Damien and Carlton's name. Oh, you've never heard them called Darlton? That just no. That threw me all the way back to two thousand eight. Yeah, people called them straight up Google Darlton. That was a thing they did. And if they if they were running them now, people would probably call them Daddy. (laughs) I have such awkward feelings about people calling (laughs) celebrities Daddy. Tell me, tell me, I'm wrong. No, they would. They would. Thank you. But no, uh, one of them said. We put Kate and Sawyer in cages in season two as a passive aggressive swipe at the network because we felt like we were in cages as writers and we didn't know. Because, you know, they had such a good plot outline when they started Lost. They knew exactly where they wanted to go. And, like, the ending was already there. Like, the basic structure of the arc was down. So it, it ends up in this place of, like, you know, they don't know what to do. So, okay, let's stick Sawyer and Kate in cages for, like, six episodes and just yeah. eat up some time that way. But I, I do love that that was, like, their thing of, like, we are trapped in a cage. Ah, screw it. Just put them in cages. Just put them in cages. We'll make it work. And that actually wound up being one of the most iconic Lost Plot hmm. ones. It yeah. totally did work. I love like, season three. I have to say, like, for all the, you know, there are places to nitpick and there are places they don't do things right, because obviously there are, but especially in terms of, like, the way in which casting creates, you know, unforeseen complications or exits you didn't plan on, you have to, re- you know, recalibrate, lost thought on its feet far better than like most of the shows I can think of. They were always yeah. very good at maybe not immediately recovering their feet, but whenever they stumbled because they hit a wall that wasn't of their own making, they would get it back together. Which was very like as writers, like all the props in the world to them. Especially yeah. when you have a plan in your head and somebody won't let you do it. Like that's it is hard to, like, work around things you have already set down 
you know, in stone. Let's talk about Desmond. <laughs> I was literally looking at a picture of Desmond right now. <gasps> he's hanging out in the hatch. I mean, right now he's just kind of doing his morning routine. and uh, He's using his exercise bike. Making a smoothie. Yeah. It's cute that, like, it's literally night outside, but he's like, it's morning. <laughs> Um, doing a workout, you know, entering some numbers, and he's like, wait a second. I want to know, what did you guys think the first time you watched that? Did you automatically go, that's the hatch? I literally wish I could remember. I wish I could remember. Ugh. I wish I had written, like, extensive journals on how I felt the first time I was watching, but I, I cannot. I thought it was a new character, like, on the mainland. I remember, yeah, I remember I th thinking that. Mm. Because, like, when they show you, I think he's, like, sitting down, like, when he's starting to eat, and it's light outside, but it's just, like, fake light in behind him, so he doesn't think that he's in a bloody cave for his entire life. Yeah. But, yeah, I didn't, I did not think that he was in the hatch until the bomb, like, until the explosion, and all of a sudden everything shook, and I was like, oh, holy shit, that's what's in there. Oh, my God. Exactly. I, so good. I feel like the first time I saw it, my first thought was, is this another flashback? Especially because everything in the yeah. bunker is so very 70s. Yeah. Except for that washer and dryer. That, like, my first thought was, like, yep. is yep. this a flashback or <laughs> is this not? Like, I wasn't sure, but I remember thinking to myself, gosh, everything's so 70s. Like, everything in here. I like how, and that's another good mislead, too, because until that happens, there's really no indication for you at all that this is absolutely the same timeline, the same place. That's true. The only thing that kind of made me go, what the hell is this, when he, like, injects himself, right? Mm -hmm. Then I was yeah. kind of like, oh, is this, like, is this where this is going? And then, like, then the explosion and all that. Yeah. I could see oh. how you could get 70s there, too, because, like, you know, even Desmond's hair is, like, that longer shaggier Oh, thing. yeah. So yeah. you really do think, like, oh, okay, well, this is a flashback. And even the music he's playing. Yeah. You know, that's not that's not the music of someone who is and he's got a freaking record player too. No one Iconic. listens to the mamas and the papas now, I hate to say. I I do. I do, except I only listen to that one song. Fun fact I have that song on my phone. Same. This is I was a hipster before hipsters existed. Until I was in like fifth or sixth grade, I refused to listen to any music that was made before about night or made after about nineteen seventy eight. Like, I literally was a little old lady who was like, mm, I don't listen to modern music. I listen to the classics. Uh, and then I got into the Backstreet Boys, so that changed. Uh, <laughs> oh, you fell from your your pedestal so hard. Oh, yeah. I went from hipster to mad trashy right away, which I think sums up, like, who yeah. I am as That's a person. That's your, like, whole personality. Yeah, hipster to mad trashy in a 10 seconds But flat. I... I I say that with love. No, I feel yeah. it, man. I, I feel the yeah. love. Okay, guys, once again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. <laughs> thank you for having us. Thank you for having me, yeah. Well, sorry I made it another three-hour-long one again. I'll see you guys next season. But And let's be real, we could have gone longer if Robin wasn't... I love how, like, Robin has to be the den mom whenever I am on this podcast. And she's like, come on, guys. Come on. Come on, let's, let's move past. Robin has Karen. to do that when it's the two of us, too, because <laughs> I would just talk. You can follow me personally on... <laughs> Six hours of At movie. Robin E. Jeffrey, that's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me at... at Britant... Mm, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> you know my Twitter, I said it already. 
And, I'm still- and you can follow at the aficionados on a bunch of places, but mostly Twitter. Yeah. And I'm still and- Sarah, and you can still follow me at some other metal. And I'm Scott, and you can follow me at Hey Zamboni Guy. This is my Yay. favorite username, on Twitter, by the way. And, and for the love of God, people, give them, hook them up with Patreon. Give them yes, a dollar. Give them all the money. It, Thank give you. them something. It's nothing. You never notice it. Help They're them so out. They're so cool, and they spend so much time doing this, and we should all appreciate them. Guys, that's so nice. Thank you. Thank like, you. literally, it's like $1. Find the change on the ground. Money, Don't buy you yourself a Starbucks once a month and give it to them. <laughs> right? Oh, my God. This is so nice. Thank you. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theaffectionados. Okay, love you. Bye. Love you, bye. Bye. Love you. Bye. <laughs> All right, time to break out the big guns. Wow, I feel good. No, 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 no. I knew that I would now. No, 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 no. I feel good. No, 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 no. I knew that I would now. No, no, no. So good. So good. I got you. Bum, 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 bum. Dude, that's all I got. Thank you so much for listening. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Stay tuned for Season 2, coming soon. While you're waiting for Season 2, we've got some other podcasts. If you're a fan of The 100, we like to talk about that show too. We've talked all about Season 4, and Season 5 will be coming soon. If it hasn't started already by the time that I put this up, I don't know. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we'd like to talk about that show too. We talked all about Season 1, and maybe by the time this goes up, we'll be done Season 2. We also recently posted an interview with Andrea Gabriel, who played Nadia, so you gotta go check that out. You can follow at the Aficionados all over the place. Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, but mostly Twitter. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey, that's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y, pretty much everywhere. You can follow Brittany at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. Our guest social medias will all be included in the description. If you like what we do here, please consider donating at patreon.com slash theaficionados. It's expensive to run so many podcasts, so if you're a fan, consider donating. Okay, love you, bye!